But hey, welcome everyone to those watching online. Hello, 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 hello. If you haven't met yet, my name is Dawn, and I'm part of the team here at Favor. And honestly, what an honor to preach, and what an honor to have a senior pastor so supportive, you know, who would champion you. So if you're here for the first time, that's what our church is. You, you see people who are given opportunities, and you see people who just really love worshiping God, you know, love serving His house, and so many, so many things. People get married. If you want to get married, you can join our church. But there's so many things happening in our church, and it really is exciting. And last week, who here was here last week? Who here? Who was here last week? Well, a lot of new people I see who weren't here last week, which is great. Because last week, you had an incredible Sunday with Pastor Tim Hall. And as you saw in Favorite News, if you, got, you have gotten a miracle, if you got healed, we'd love to hear your testimonies so we can celebrate with you. And you know, the past two weeks, the past three weeks, we've been talking about the purpose of our church. And it really brought me to, you know, contemplate about my life. Because I've been a Christian for a long time. I grew up Christian in a family um, that we, we, went to, we went to church every Sunday. And I realized that when you've been a Christian for so long, you tend to forget why you're even a Christian in the first place. You know, and I love what we were doing in, in the purpose of our church. And next week, Pastor James is going to talk about our purpose as individuals who are in a church. And right now, I'm going to talk about something that has been really in my heart for the past few months. Because again, in my Christian walk, you know, it's, it's all, there are moments where you're in, in, in the mountains, but there are also moments you're in the valleys. And I've found that there are moments where God really was actually speaking to me and is, is always speaking to us because he, he wants to use us, like, especially if you're a Christian. God wants to use you. You know, there's a purpose for your life. And if you're not Christian here, you know, I'm going to give you an opportunity later on towards the end of the service to, to enter into this relationship that is amazing, life-giving. But, but being a Christian doesn't mean that you're always on a high. There are moments where you get challenged with difficulties, you know, problems, and it's not always going to be good. And I found that in those moments, we have an opportunity to either, you know, say, am I going to keep on following Jesus? Or am I just going to settle, stay here? Or maybe even some, am I going to turn away from God and just go back to my own life? And I've been thinking of those thoughts because a lot, there's so many things that happened to me that I've been confronted with, with those thoughts. And they're not big thoughts, you know, seemingly like God wants to use me to, you know, speak to someone. There'll be moments where I hesitate. There'll be moments where God wants me to pray for someone or bless someone. There'll be moments that I hesitate. Or when I am faced with challenge, there are times where I, I doubt God's goodness in my life. And I've found that most of those questions and thoughts, I'm, sure about, I'm not sure if you experience this, but they all relate to an if. There's a level of uncertainty, you know, there's a level of doubt. And, I've, and I went to the Bible because it's always good to go to the Bible to look at stories, to make myself feel better that I'm not alone. <laughs> Am I alone in my struggles? And I actually went through stories in the Bible where I'm like, Thank you, God, that I'm not the only one who goes through these struggles. But that's my preaching today is that whether, what's your if? What's your if? And I'm going to pull on three if statements that we make whenever we're confronted with an opportunity, a difficulty. And in those moments, do we, 
do we keep on following God or do we just, you know, go back and settle with our own life? And the first thing that we're going to look at is what if. And we all like asking what ifs. If you're like me, if you say that you're a rational person, I like asking what if in every situation. If there's an option presented to me, I'm like, what if they do this? What if that happens? What if this happens? What if it doesn't make sense? You know, I like asking what ifs in the guise of being careful. You know, I'd say that I'm a practical person. I like to know every possibility. (laughs) But oftentimes, we also ask this when we're presented with an opportunity, not just from people, but from God. You know, whenever I'm asked to talk to someone, I always tend to go back to the question, what if they don't want to be bothered? You know, what if they just want to stay there? Like me, as an introvert, I don't want to be bothered. What if they're the same way? Or God wants me to be generous to someone. I'd even rationalize if, what if they don't need the money? What if I have an expense that's going to come up? What if there's something that's an emergency that I need to spend that on? Or what if every time God asks me to pray for someone, I always ask God, what if my prayers don't make sense? What if it's not for them? What if I make a mistake? And, and I, know, I don't know if that's just me, but I think that a lot of us, you know, we hesitate. We hesitate when there's a call from God to, to take a step forward or to do something to obey Him. And I'm sure even last Sunday, there were people who hesitated to come in front because of a what if. You know, to receive ministry, to receive healing. You may have been hesitant to come forward because you have your friends with you and you're asking, what if they see me like I'm some weird person? What if I make a fool out of myself believing that I'm going to get healed, but I won't? What if I don't get healed? What if my prayers are not answered? What if I don't receive the provision? And a lot of us, unfortunately, miss out on a miracle or a breakthrough not just even in our lives, but in other people's lives because of a what if. And I want to look, us to look at a story in the Bible because it's always good, again, to look at the Bible to, to, you know, to, for us to know that we're not alone. Even the heroes, the famous um, characters in the Bible, they all go through this stuff because they're like us. They're just human. You know, they all through, go through questions in their life. And I want to talk about Moses. And if you don't know Moses, he's known as the one who led the Israelites out of Egypt. He, the one who performed miracles, the one who turned the water from the Nile River into blood, not into wine, that's Jesus. He turned water into blood, sent the plagues of frogs, of locusts, of whatever, and he was that. But before even that happened, Moses was just an ordinary man, like any of us. He was born during a time where in Egypt, there were the Israelites living there and they were becoming too many. And the Pharaoh didn't like it. So what he ended up doing was he, he oppressed them. He gave them hard labor. But they still ended up increasing in number. And he really got frustrated to a point that he commanded all the male babies to be killed. Luckily, the, 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 all the maids, women that they told to kill the babies actually feared God. And Moses was spared. So he was born in time. He ends up getting adopted by the daughter of the Pharaoh. And he actually grows up as an Egyptian. But he knew that he was a Hebrew. He was an Israelite. And when he grew up, he, he saw uh, an Egyptian killing an Israelite man. And he got angry. So what did he do? He killed the other man. And someone found out. Well, what an angry person. Um, but he, he, someone found out. And he runs away and goes to Midian. 
and he settles there for a time. And that's when we go to Exodus 3. And God was calling, God appeared to, to Moses through a burning bush. And he tells him, he calls him Moses, Moses, and explains to him what he wanted to do. Essentially, God wanted to save the Israelites out of Egypt, out of their oppression. And Moses replied, who am I, Lord, that you would send me? And God assures him that he will be with him. You know, I am the God of your father, um, Jacob, Isaac, and Abraham. And he proceeds to ask another question. What if they ask me this? What shall I tell them to which God answered, I am who I am. Tell them that I am has sent you. And yet, it still wasn't enough. The chapter ends, they're still discussing. I'm pretty sure the angels in heaven are like, God, you're still going? Am I going to keep the bush burning until you settle your discussion? Can you, can't you just choose someone else? You know, and we, we go to the next chapter, and this is where we see Moses answer. Exodus chapter 4, verses 1. Moses answered, What if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, The Lord did not appear to you? Then the Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, Throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake, and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to them, Reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake, and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has appeared to you. If that was you, would you have been convinced by that time to obey God? Can I see a show of hands? Minority. You're probably like Moses, because Moses was still wasn't convinced. <laughs> Even after all that assurances, he still wasn't convinced. He went on to say that he was not good with speech. He was not good with his words. And towards the end of it, he actually tells God, Lord, please send anyone else. After all that assurances from God, he still was like, nope, I'm not convinced, God. I don't want to do it. And the Lord actually gets angry at Moses. And firstly, what a patient God we serve, right? I mean, I can understand his anger because they went through a lot of discussions. And it was only towards the end that he got finally angry. If that was me, I'm like, nope, you're not doing it. <laughs> if you're going to ask me questions, next person. But God was patient. And he actually did, he, he ended up using him. But he appointed Aaron, his brother, to become his mouthpiece. But have you ever tried convincing someone to do something and all they could come up with excuses about how it should not be them. Um, maybe here people want, you've been asked by your pastor to be a connect leader. You're like, probably not me. Who am I? I'm not that talented. What if they end up leaving the church because of me? Someone tells you to do something, a project, to lead a project. And your initial response is, I don't have time. I, I have a family. I have... I have a wife, I have kids, I'm, I'm busy with my job, you know, and we come up with excuses. Or who here, you're that person who likes to come up with excuses? Amen, that's me. That's me, because again, I'm a rational person, I'm a practical person. Um, when I was asked for this role, I'm, I'm, I'm not kidding, I, I, I told Pastor James, what if I'm not the most competent person for the job? You know, because... I like to do things excellently, you know. What if we were, were going to end up um, with, you know, struggling with our finances, with our marriage, and all that stuff. 
And it's funny because, again, God is so patient, but at the same time, He does get angry. And I came to a point where I just re- stopped making excuses and, you, and, and, and told God, just use me however you want me to be. But we like saying what if. You know, it's such a simple statement. We, we say what if to everything that we go through. We say what if to people. We say what if to God. And it looks like such a simple statement. But if you actually look deeper, it reflects a lack of trust and confidence in God. You know, whenever you ask what if, it actually tells us that we doubt God. Without His word, without His promises. I mean, look at Moses. God... God revealed to him a lot of things. God assured him that he was going to be with him. And yet it still wasn't enough. Moses still asked God, what if? And I don't know if there are people here in this room where you're like that. That you just, you know, you still have doubt in your mind that God is going to do a miracle, not only in your life, but through your life. And unfortunately, a lot of us don't have the end result, the same result as Moses. Because again, as I said before, Moses ended up still being used by God. But I think most of us miss, miss out on opportunities to be used by him because of our what-ifs. I know for myself, there are a lot of, a lot of healings that I've missed out on because of a what-if. There are a lot of people that didn't experience, you know, that miracle of, of a financial blessing because of my what-if. And I withheld blessing that person. If there may be people here who have missed out on an opportunity with starting a business because of a what if. There are people here who have missed out on the breakthrough in your life because of a what if. But how did God respond to that what if? Let's go back to the verse when Moses asked God, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say the Lord did not appear to you? The Lord said to him, what is that? in your hand. So to every what if, I believe that God responds to us with a what is. What is in your hand? And it tells me that I should stop looking at what I don't have and start looking at what I, what I do have in my hand. It tells me that I should stop looking at the future and start looking at my present instead of going through all the scenarios in my mind of what could happen What if I just say, what is in my present situation? Or what if I stop looking at what you're not able to do and start looking at what you can do? You can't give a billion pesos. Start by giving one peso to someone. Start by giving 10 pesos to someone. What if we stop saying, what if? And start saying, so what? So what? So what if they don't listen? I mean, so what if, if the, your prayer doesn't get answered? Like, I'm, I'm not being so selfish to think that everything going on is about me. Or do we start looking at other people and actually take that step and say, so what? So what if it doesn't turn out the way I want it to be? So what if I don't receive the healing that I want to be? I'm going to take a step in Step in faith to believe that God can do what He says in His Word He's going to do. Because what if it does work? You know, what if people actually get healed? What if prayers are really going to be answered? 
Are we going to let our what if stop us from being used by God for people to experience the miracles and breakthroughs in their life? And I've seen enough miracles to know that God is a healer, that God is true to His word, that God is a provider. I've seen enough healings in this room. Last Sunday, we've seen a lot of healings in this room for me to believe that God can do what He says in His word and He can do. But maybe you're here and all you're experiencing is, you know, disappointments in your life. Maybe you're here and you're saying, I've, I've, I've obeyed God, but still I go through tough situations in my life. I've never seen a miracle in my life. And that leads me to my next point. The second if, if only. This is also one of my favorite things to say. Growing up, how many of us have said these phrases before? If only I was rich, I would bless everyone. Or like John, blessings. You know, it's going to be blessing people. If only I was pretty. If only I was talented. If only I was smart. If only I had resources available to me. If only I was raised in a good family. I'm sure a lot of us have said something like that. But it becomes worse whenever we start projecting or directing that if only to someone else. If only you did this for me. If only you didn't do that to me. And what's even worse is as Christians, we do it towards God. God, if only you healed me. If God, if only you provided for me or my family. God, if only you did this for me. And we go through these questions in our life. And let's go back to the story of the Israelites. And at this point, the Israelites were already delivered out of Egypt. And it's actually the second year after they, they came out of Egypt. And so they're already in the wilderness and God promised them that they were going to enter into the promised land. But because of their disobedience, you know, they, they circled around the wilderness for 40 years. But in the context of this story, they were still in their second year. So it's still pretty much fresh that they came out of Egypt. And at the beginning of the book of Numbers, God told Moses to, to do a census and he put up order in the community. They were cleansed. They celebrated the Passover after so many years of not doing that to remind them of God's deliverance. And I'd say they were doing pretty okay. Like, oh, it was stable. The, the stories from Numbers 1 to 10 were stable until we get to chapter 11. And they set out again on their way to the promised land. And this is where it gets exciting. Uh, in Numbers 11, verse 4 to 6, the rebel with, with them began to crave other food. And again, the Israelites started wailing and said, if only we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost. Also the cucumbers, melons, leeks, onions, and garlic. Very specific. And it really did say that. <laughs> I checked other versions to make sure that it was really mentioned. They were specific in their request. But I'm not sure if those are the best options for them. Cucumbers, melons, wow. But now we have lost our appetite. We've never seen anything but this manna. For context, manna is just like a, a biscuit sandwich, probably full of protein. Because they end up, that's, that's all they ate. From the moment they got delivered, that's all they ate. God provided for them. And naturally, this angered the Lord. And you know what he did? He gave them meat. But while they were eating meat, he sent a plague. And all those who ate died. Whoever said here that God is a 
a gentle God. Now you, you can see his anger in full circle. And I'm not a parent, but when I do become one, I'm not pregnant, anyway. But when I do become one, not an if, a when, amen. There's a certainty to that. <laughs> I'm probably gonna use this statement for my kids. You know, when they ask me, if only we had meat, if only, I'm gonna refer to this verse. <laughs> and the Lord got angry and gave them meat. And no, I'm not gonna kill my children. <laughs> But it's a, it's a nice verse to say when, when you see people complaining of what they have. But it doesn't end here. Again, God, they still went through struggles. And three chapters later, they complained again. In Numbers 14.2, it says there, that the, all the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And the whole assembly said to them, if only we had died in Egypt or in this wilderness, why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Just picture this with me. Um, if you see in the, in the chapters in between 11 and 14, God already, Moses already commanded a few of those people to scout the land of Canaan, the promised land. Which, which tells me that they're pretty close. You know, it's in sight. The promised land is in sight. And the scouts came back and they told them that the land is full with milk and honey, just like what God said. And they saw the fruits, that they were big. But there's only one problem. There were giants living in that land. And this led to the reaction. And with that, with them being presented, with a choice of, you know, the promised land, the one that they were hoping for. All it took was a little tiny detail of a giant that they had to fight and, and maybe shoo away, shoo away, or fight for them to be able to enter the promised land. And I've always found that fascinating because how can they want their, their previous life I mean, I have they forgotten the slavery, the oppression in that place? I'm, I'm pretty sure compared to their old life, this, was one, this one was better, you know? But for them, they couldn't see it. All they saw was the giant hindering them from entering into the promised land. And it's interesting because it happens to a lot of us. You know, we go through, again, our Christian life, we get set free from our own place of slavery, oppression, you know, what we, or what we call our own Egypt. And then we get into difficulties in our life. We're faced with challenges. We're faced with a sickness. We're faced with a financial problem. And we're close to that promised land. We're close to getting the promises of God. And then we're presented with a single challenge. And we end up saying, God, if only you didn't save me. We look at our friends, you know, they, 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 they seem like they're having the best time of their lives. They're enjoying their life. They're thriving. They have good businesses. They have money. And we, we start to ask, God, is it really worth it? Is, it re is this life really worth following you? And some of us get so pumped up the moment we get saved, you know, that, that, that high of experiencing the freedom. 
But once we start to face challenges, we blame God. Not because even of the difficulty, but I feel like sometimes because we're too lazy to do something about our situation. To really receive the promises of God. And we would rather just be treated as slaves and go back to our old life rather than do something and defeat our giants and take the promises of God in our life. Are we gonna settle in that if only? Or do we start looking at the other side of it? And do you know what happened to those who grumbled and rebelled? They weren't able to step into the promised land. God actually killed that entire generation. And you know who was able to enter the promised land? It was just Caleb and Joshua. And they were part of the spies and they had faith that they were actually gonna defeat the giants and enter into the promised land. All the rest of them who, who desired to just go back to Egypt weren't able into the promise, enter into the promised land because they were satisfied with their if-onlys and would rather go back than actually do something and defeat their giant. I don't know if there are people here who you may be close again to your promises but you're letting that if only stop you from entering into the promises of God. My question is, are you gonna let that or are you gonna push through and do something to be able to take hold of the promises of God that is available to you, that He wants to give to you, to your family, that He wants to bless you with because He loves you and wants you to enter into the promises. But we can't be lazy. We can't live a life looking back at our old life and desiring that old life. You know, we have to start looking at God, towards God and the promises that He has for us. And there's another kind of only if that I actually wanna, wanna highlight. And that's if in the story of Lazarus. Lazarus is the brother of Martha and Mary. And in the New Testament, we, we know them as the sisters. Um, they're famous for the story about serving. You know, that Matt, Martha was busy serving and Mary was at the feet of Jesus. They're that sister. The sisters. The sisters. And they had a brother whose name is Lazarus. And we can see that in the Bible, it says that God, Jesus loved them. Jesus loved the sisters. Jesus loved Lazarus. And so the chapter starts by mentioning that Lazarus was sick. And at that time, Jesus was not in that place, but he was in another place. And news got to him that he was sick. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed longer where he was. And this is a preaching for another day why God chose to stay and not immediately come back to that place. But that's not gonna be a sermon from me. That's gonna be from another person. <laughs> but he stayed knowing that Lazarus was sick. And when he comes back, Lazarus is already dead. You know, from sickness to now dead. So in John 11, we see here, Verse 17, so when Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus has already been in his grave for four days. Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem, and many of the people had come to console Martha and Mary in their loss. So when Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him, but Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. 
Yes, Martha, Martha said, he will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord, she told him. I have always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. Then she returned to Mary. She called Mary aside from the mourners and told her, the teacher is here and wants to see you. So Mary immediately went to him. Jesus stayed outside the village at the place where Martha met him. When the people who were at the house consoling Mary saw her leave so hastily, they assumed she was going to Lazarus' grave to weep. So they followed her there. When Martha arrived and saw, when Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. And you can see here in the story that Mary and Martha wanted Jesus to heal Lazarus. And in that moment of grief, they had an if only moment. God, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. But interestingly, when you look at those two stories, it, it, it ends in a different outcome. And I believe it's because there's a different spirit with Martha and Mary as they were saying that. They weren't really complaining. They were mourning. They were grieving. You know, they were pouring their heart, heart out to Jesus. God, if only you had been here. And they knew the truth about Jesus, that he is the Messiah, the Son of God. They knew all those things, but they were grieving the loss of a brother. And naturally, because they wanted Jesus to heal him. And I'm sure most of us have had a moment in our life when we wanted God to come through at a certain time, you know, or perform a miracle or answer prayers, but he didn't. You know, God, if only you healed my mom. God, if only my parents didn't divorce. God, if only you did this, I wouldn't be in this position. God, if only you rescued me from that, I wouldn't be broken. But the good thing is, what can we learn from this? Is that they offered their if onlys straight to Jesus. You know, they didn't complain to their friends. They didn't complain to their parents or their, you know, or on social media. They didn't blame anyone else. They offered their if onlys to Jesus. So I'm not saying that you shouldn't have those moments of if, if onlys. What I'm saying is that when we have those moments where we just really, you know, either complain or are disappointed, that we offer it to Jesus. But we have to be open to Him working through it. Because what Mary and Martha didn't know was Jesus wanted to perform a greater miracle. No, He didn't just want to heal Lazarus. He wanted to raise him from the dead so that more people will actually understand that He's not just a teacher, but He's the Messiah, that He's the Son of God, that He can raise people from the dead, that it's not just only a healer, but He can actually perform a greater miracle, which is a resurrection. And how many of us would rather, you know, let ourselves be, be, be put down by our if-onlys instead of allowing God to work in our lives and actually believe for a greater miracle than what we expect Him to do or what we have seen Him do before because I believe that God wants to do even beyond what you can ask Him, him or imagine because He's a good God. 
So the challenge for us is do we keep going back to earth only? Or will we turn, turn things around and say, instead of, instead of if only, what if we just say, if not? If not for Jesus, I would not be here. If not for that situation, I would not have experienced God's overwhelming love and peace. If not for this sickness, I would not have experienced God's healing. If not for the delay in that Lazarus death, people would not have experienced God's resurrection power. So at the other side of your if only, there's an if not moment where you're gonna say, oh, if not for Jesus, you know, no matter what I'm going through, if not for him, I wouldn't be standing here. I wouldn't be you know, having the joy in my life, the peace in my life, if not for Jesus. And this leads me to the last point, which is even if. And compared to the other two, this is something that we actually don't often say, you know, because it's not a, we like saying the what ifs, the if only, we, we rarely say the even if. You know, that even if this happens, I'm going to keep on serving Jesus. Even if I'm saying, I'm going to keep on worshiping him. You know, we rarely say this. But there's a, a story in the Bible that I'm actually so inspired by reading. And it's in the book of Daniel. And this talks about the three friends of Daniel. So they were put in the palace to be, to, you know, to serve the king. But they were Christians. They, they follow God. They know him. And they didn't settle for what the people were saying that they were going to do, they were going to eat, but they kept their conviction strong and, and kept on following Jesus. And you read in verse 8 that there were some people who got jealous of them or got angry because they weren't following what they were saying to them. So in verse 8, it says, At this time, some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, May the king, Lord, king live forever. Your majesty has issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music must fall down and worship the image of gold. And that whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into the blazing fire. But there are some Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, your majesty. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, blah, blah, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will, thrown, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace, then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. They were confident, you know, these men were confident in their convictions. They were confident that God was gonna rescue them. But yet, 
they, their conviction is so strong that they blurted out the statement that even if he doesn't, you know, we won't bow down. We're going to keep on serving Jesus. Even if he doesn't. I mean, how many people could say that? You know, that you're confident because I believe we're all confident. We're, we all know that God's going to heal. But who among us can truly say that even if he doesn't, I will keep on following him. Even if he doesn't answer my prayer, I'm going to keep on praying. I'm going to keep on worshiping. And how many of us have settled and turned back on Jesus because we were not willing to stick out our conviction? And I've learned that our convictions get tested the most when we are faced with difficulties and challenges that, you know, that, that confront our trust and faith in Jesus. So do we turn our backs when our friends, started, when our friends start calling us weird? Do we stop following Jesus when we start losing friends? When you start losing money over your business because they want you to, to do your business with integrity? What do you do when you start experiencing that your prayers are no longer getting answered? What do you do in those moments? Will we follow God or will we turn away from our convictions and just settle and you know, just do it our own way? Will we keep on sharing to our friends even if they don't listen to us? Even if you reject, get rejected? Will we keep praising and worshiping Him even if, like Paul and Silas, even if you're in jail? Will you keep praising Jesus even if you don't get the miracle you're believing for? Even if you're hurting, even if you're in pain, will you keep serving Him? Even if you feel weak at this moment, will you keep declaring the goodness of God over your life? Will you keep your integrity even if all the people around you are saying it, it's not worth it? Will you keep on following Jesus even if you don't see the life that you, you thought you were going to have? What if, only if, or even if? So going back to my question, what's, what's, what's your if? What do we choose in this moment? Do we go on with our lives and start asking Him all the what ifs? Or do we live with regret and just say, if only I was this, if only I could go back. Or do we stand our ground or say, even if. Even if things turn out, don't turn out the way I wanted it to you, I will keep on worshiping Jesus. But all that I've said won't make sense unless you're following Jesus. As I've set up earlier on, you know, the Christian life is not a full of flowers, butterflies. It's not all good. It all goes through difficulties. It's not about having all your problems solved. It's not about having all your prayers answered. It's about having a life of freedom. It's about having a life of peace and joy in the midst of difficulties. But ultimately, it's, it's about having a life of surrender, knowing that your life is not your own. You know, that no matter what you're going to go through, you can be confident that you have eternal life, that you have Jesus with you, and that you know where you're going after, after you die in this earth.
And if you're here, you're, you, you couldn't understand or grasp even what I'm saying because you know that you don't have an active relationship with Jesus. I'm not talking about if you backslid, if you had a bad week. If you did backslide, you're welcome to respond. Um, I'm not talking about if you, you did something wrong last night. I'm talking about you know that you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. Because it says in Romans that we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. And the invitation I'm giving you today is free. You don't have to work hard for it. You don't have to, perf- to be perfect to, to become a Christian. You don't have to have it all together through, through ha- to enter into a relationship with Jesus. He's offering this free gift to you because He loves you. He loves you so much that 2,000 years ago, Jesus died on the cross for our sins. For us to be able to enter into a relationship with Him freely and for us to experience a life that is full. So with all heads bowed and eyes closed. And if you're here and you want to respond and you're saying that I, I want a relationship with Jesus, on the count of three, I would love for you to lift your hands and say, this is me. I'm making that decision. And you don't have to feel shy because no one's looking around. This is between you and God. But if that's you and you want to say, I'm, I'm willing, I want, I want this relationship with God. I want this relationship that even if I'm going through problems, there's so much joy and peace in me. I want the life of freedom. I want the life of that I'm surrendered to God. And I, I, I want to stop living for myself. So if that's you, on the count of three, lift your hands. One, two, three. On the right there. Thank you for your hands. I'm seeing at the back. Please keep your hands lifted so our team can see you. Here at the middle, three at the middle. On the left side, a few hands on the left side, a few hands at the back. Thank you, Jesus. You can keep your hands high so that our team can see you. But if you've lifted your hands, I want you to join me in praying this simple prayer. You know, this, saying this prayer won't make your problems magically appear. But it's really just a, a prayer of repentance and declaring your belief in Jesus. But as a family, would you join us in praying? God, join me in praying to all of us. God, thank you for saving Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die for me. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for loving me. And right now, I repent of my sin. I'm sorry for turning my back on you. I'm sorry for thinking that I can do this life alone. And today I declare that you are the Lord of my life that you are my savior, that you are my God, that you are my best friend. I'm gonna follow you, even if it's difficult. I'm gonna follow you, even if things don't go my way. I love you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Can we give a hand to those who raised their hands? There were many hands that were lifted. And at the end of the service, we actually have a team who's going to approach you and explain the decision that you've made because we believe that you're not meant to do this journey alone. You're meant to do it in community so that we can support you, we can do life with you, we can encourage you, pray for you.